Welcome to Slow News here with Kevin Clark. I am Kevin Clark. Hello, Lindsay Jones, Slow News Mondays. Week 17th, flying by, Lindsay. Happy New Year, Kevin. We made it. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We made, made it to it. 2023. There was college football over the weekend that was unbelievable. There was NFL that was more believable, but still really fun. Mike Tomlin is a badass and will never have a losing season. Uh, it, he's he's almost there, right? 500 heading into week 18. Who would have thought? It's I will say the 17th game is tough for him because you can't just just back into an eight and eight season. You do actually have to have a winning record now. In order yeah. To Cause part of alive. his thing, it's not that he's had a winning season, winning record right. every year he's coached. He's had a couple of these eight and eight seasons, but now he's going to go one way or the other. But I will say most of my preseason predictions that we wrote for the ringer back in August um, have not come to pass. I did pick Mike Tomlin to win coach of the year. And I don't think I'm going to end up voting for him next week, but I'm going to be tempted if he gets this team to nine and eight. I did a thing with the Chiefs the other day, and I said that I don't have an MVP vote. They were asking me about it, but I do know people who have MVP votes, and I will bully them. And so now this week, <laughs> this, I are, just, you, are you going to bully me throughout the well, show? No, Is that what's about to happen? Like, I hadn't thought about the fact that it could be you I bullied, but yeah, it will. Be, now that okay. you've mentioned it, I will be bullying you yeah. this week. So, well, I'll say I have been um, on the record uh, on the Ringer NFL feed saying that something insane would have to happen over the last three weeks of the season to convince me that anybody other than Patrick Mahomes was the MVP of this yes. season. Uh, and nothing happened yesterday in their win against the Broncos, their 15th straight win over the Broncos that uh, has changed that for me. So um, although I, I, we're going to get to the Eagles here, but I know there was, there was some discourse online that yesterday's Eagles game uh, bolstered Jalen Hurts's MVP case. I will say I saw some folks who said that actually the actual MVP case is Lane Johnson. Well, remember when Tony remember when Tony Dungy voted for Bobby Wagner for MVP? I do. I do. Remember yeah. when I, I'm telling you the one guy who retroactively made an MVP case was Earl Thomas because he got hurt and the Seahawks ceased to function. Like I, that's that to me is the most important thing where it's like what who around you forgets how to play football when you're gone. The MVP stuff this year is going to be really interesting. All the votes. Have we talked about how the, the voting system has changed on this show? No. no. So they changed the voting system. The The Associated okay. Press this year, for the first time ever, has changed the way that we do this. And instead of just voting, there's 
50 voters, you vote for one person, you get literally one vote. Um, now it's a ranked system. So uh, I believe it's even one through five. So people like Justin Jefferson, maybe not after yesterday, but pe- there's been a lot of discussion of like, well, how many votes is Justin Jefferson going to get now? Could he finish actually right. third or second or something in MVP voting? Um, could somebody like Nick Bosa get MVP votes? You know, in a different year, Aaron Donald would actually get some actual MVP votes. Um, so we'll see. And I'm really curious to see how it all plays out. I do remember this coming up. Maybe it was on this show. Maybe it was on a different show. But it's important to note that Russell Wilson will still never get an MVP He will vote. still I never. I believe that was my first reaction. Yeah. He has now thrown more touchdowns than he has bathrooms in his uh, mansion oh. in, in Cherry Hills Village. Oh, but no. I don't think I'm going to give him an MVP. Vote. Does he? I saw some people ask us in his private office, which may or may not exist. Does he have a private bathroom? Because they would then have to tack that on. And then we're dealing with different it's different good, calculus. It's a good question. I do have a lot of issues with the layout of the Broncos facility, as you and I texted about privately last week. Um, I didn't bring it up. We were recording last week when Nathaniel Hackett It's got like fired. the Denver airport. It's just massive with weird murals on the wall. <laughs> there are weird murals and like voodoo and uh, hexes and all this sort of stuff. But no, Nathaniel Hackett turned a uh, the media room into a player's lounge with like right. Papa Shot and uh, air hockey and stuff. So I'm wondering if now if we could have that back. But uh, I cannot can't confirm if Russell's office has its own private bathroom. I know that the media room does not. So, you know. Uh, all right. Real quick on Tom one. The Steelers will make the playoffs if the following things happen. All very plausible. The Jets beat the Dolphins. The Bills beat the Patriots, especially if the Bills are playing for a one seed. We don't know the situation yet. The Steelers win over the Browns. Again, all very plausible. This is yeah. unbelievable. This is so funny to me with Kenny freaking Pickett, who isn't even I'm like, I, I, I'm happy that Steelers fans get to be happy for Kenny Pickett and Mike Tomlin. And they're going to find way, ways to win games. Kenny Pickett is a long term starter, but he is not shown. He is as, as I, for some reason we all this year, I've noticed people just say like, oh, he's the guy. He's the guy. Justin Fields is the guy. Um, I don't know why that terminology started this year, whatever. I don't think Kenny Pickett necessarily shown he's the guy, but I do think that the Steelers can win games with them. And I, I just, I'm so happy. Mike Tomlin gave an interview to the pivot pod, with Brian Clark over the summer. I think it's one of the best coaching interviews I've ever heard. I've ever heard. And I put a, a clip of it up over the summer and I, I retweeted it last night, but where he basically says that, Coaches seek comfort. He doesn't base this. He does, does say this. Coaches seek comfort in just writing off guys and saying, this guy can't learn. This guy can't do what I'm asking him to do. Well, that's what coaching is. And what Tomlin says is, is his philosophy is to run towards coaching, not away from it. And he says he loves draft evals where they talk about anything other than what he called pedigree, which I think just means kind of background and athleticism and all that stuff. Uh, because everything else is coaching. Hand placement is coaching. Motor is coaching. All of these things are, are coaching. And I've heard, I, I don't really, I, you know, I, I don't want to do this a whole thing on Tomlin, but I, I've certainly said enough. But when you're around him and you and I have been around him just, just a little bit, just a little bit over the, over the few years, neither of us have been a beat writer. I've, I've probably been there twice a year for a, few, a handful of years. Um, but you, you get it. You get it. And I, someone told me a couple of years ago that like, when you sign a second contract in Pittsburgh, like Mike Tomlin kind of just sits you down. Like, first of all, Mike Tomlin's very honest, but y- you sit down with him and he's basically just like, listen, man, I got 
I got just a few years worth of stories and anecdotes. You're probably gonna hear some repeats. So like, just just gonna let you know. Like, I've, I've you know, there's a there's a ceiling on my material here. Like, he's just he's a he's the definition of of a player's coach. Um, and I, I think it's amazing. And you know, I think that I, I last year, um, I've told the story before, but last year, one of the cornerbacks, um was was calling after practice calling mike who's a, a pr staffer there um who i'm sure you know great guy and he said mike mike and mike tomlin goes what and the player goes oh no no, no. I, was, I was talking to mike over there i wouldn't call you i wouldn't call you mike and tomlin goes we're just two grown men doing a job man you can call me mike and it was like this revelation. Like, we don't yeah. have to call him coach. We don't have to call him coach Tomlin, coach T, whatever. It was just like, there's a, there's a vibe there. And so what I'm saying is, is that the fact that the Steelers exceed expectations every year and find ways to win games in a year, in a league where everybody seems to uh, talk more about process and the theory of winning against actually winning games, uh, it is no surprise when you are around it. Yeah, he's just like the we always talk about like, oh, there's a grown up in the room or whatever. And he just he just is like he just commands respect, but also like likability and accessibility in a way that a lot of other like big time college football coaches do or big time just football coaches, whether that's you think that you're you're, you're running an NFL yeah. team and so you're kind of unapproachable or you are a college football coach and you literally are kind of above everything. And, and he's not, I mean, he carries himself like, I know what I'm doing, but I'm like you said, a regular dude. Um, his players love him. Obviously the players have played, these guys have played really, really hard for him. It helps when you get a guy like TJ Watt back after missing a lot of the season, but all of a sudden they're running the ball really well. I'm not sure I'm still thrilled about like the Matt Canada experience and if that's He'll something that out. you know I'd want to ride long term but for right now I mean look none of us wanted to see the Steelers in the playoffs last year the Ben Roethlisberger Steelers and they showed no, us why funny. when they got sorry they got, that would speak for yourself no, that was funny they got they only got in because we didn't get that Raiders Chargers tie in week 18 no, but they that, also but they also did a whole goodbye ceremony for Ben Roethlisberger and then he kept playing and then he said, we don't have a chance going into the game. That was very funny. Speak for yourself on that one. <laughs> okay. I would have rather seen the week 18 tie between the Ra- uh, the Raiders and the Chargers. I still can't believe that that almost ha- that, that that thing almost happened. Um, but if they sneak in here, which is entirely possible, they have, I was looking at the, just looking at the New York Times playoff predictor model, which is fun to play around with. They have them at 16%. But all of those things you rattled off are completely plausible for them to 100%. get in it's just you and, just need a handful of things yeah i mean I, I i don't not i'm not sure if i want to see that two seven game where they might be playing against the chiefs again in arrowhead or whatever <laughs> well, that I mean, matchup just, is but yeah. it's way more interesting than the ben roethlisberger version was going to okay. last year's postseason great you brought up the playoff machine or whatever i look at the espn one because i like to play around with different results so here's what i did last night i was i was playing around trying to find the most compelling games here are the three. And we're going to do biggest questions coming out of week 17 in a second here. But but somehow we went in on an on a unplanned Mike Tomlin tangent. And now we're going to do our favorite playoff games that might happen. And then we'll get to the actual content of the show. All right. First one. Packers win. Cowboys win. Eagles lose. Niners win. That means Packers versus Mike McCarthy. Again, the they, they did play earlier 
I, I know, year. but in the playoffs. Yeah. Which, and now they're good. The Packers are good now. Uh, Jaguars win, Ravens lose, Chargers win. Justin Herbert versus Trevor Lawrence. That was also a game from earlier this year, and I'm into it. Dude, the, again, the Jaguars are good now. <laughs> the Jaguars are good now. The Jags teams won that game, now. though, right? I know. Um, yes, teams are good. Uh, Ravens lose, Chiefs lose, Bills win. And this is all hoping and assuming Lamar is healthy, that would be Lamar versus Mahomes. That'd be fun. I think would be compelling. That'd be compelling. Although, I just don't know what the hell is going on with Lamar injury right now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they kept showing... They showed a lot of shots of him on the sideline last night, but there was no solid, like, reporting or when he's actually going to be playing. Um, Are they locked in to their seed now, the Ravens? Uh, no, the, can't the Ravens still win the division? I guess they still could win the division, right? Yeah. I guess if the Bengals lose to, on Monday night and then yes. they lose next yes. week to the Ravens. Okay. Yeah. So they are yeah. uh, incentivized to try to get Lamar Jackson back if he is close. Yeah. That's, but that's yeah. such a weird injury. A month ago, they were like, ah, he's like day to day, maybe week to week. And now a month later. It's, we I, it's a lot of weirdness around it. All right. Let's get to the actual content of the show. 12 minutes into it. Um, questions coming out of week 17. Let's start with the NFC North. Ooh. I've got a lot to say about the Minnesota Vikings, but let's start here. Should the Vikings try to avoid the Packers? And I'm going to put in huge parentheses or the Lions in the playoffs. Now, they would need some help in this regard. They could be the two seed. So then this all depends on whether or not the Niners play their starters against the Cardinals. And if the Cardinals want to win on Sunday. Um, but the Cardinals would need to beat the Niners and then the Vikings would need to lose for the Vikings to end up in the three seed and thus play the Giants and not the aforementioned Green Bay Packers. After yesterday's game, Justin Jefferson comes out and says, all the times we lose, we lose by 30. Every single time, that's definitely something tough to deal with. Not the quote you want. Um, I saw a It's couple like he's says, watching the same games we are. Yeah, and Rizal Douglas said he knew the game was over as soon as he got the goal line stand early in the game. A lot of people joking about how the Vikings are still undefeated in one-score games because they they don't play them when they lose. Um, they just opt out. They have secret opt-outs. Um, Keyshawn Nixon's... I don't know if you saw the photo that I guess a fan took and then was signal boosted by a couple TV guys. He had an opening on the kickoff return that was unbelievable. It was massive. The special teams mistake was just the that's it. That's a it's listen, Packers still make special teams mistakes, but like that was a like a Packers 2021 type special teams mistake the Vikings made yesterday. Um I'm not prepared man. for a world in which the Packers could win games in the postseason because of their special teams and not lose them. Well, I mean, I still think they've they've got questions there, but Aaron Jones yesterday, 111 yards just 35 coming after contact. They were bullying, bullying the Vikings. On the other side of the ball, Kenny Clark against a backup center, seven pressures, six turnovers this year. This VPF next gen stats, excuse me. Six turnovers this year by pressure, two more than any other defender. Jared Alexander had a nice day against Justin Jefferson. And now, and now, the only duo better in the history of December and January than Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr 
Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers, 18 and one in those months together in the regular season. Lindsey Jones, are the Packers dangerous? Uh, I think so. I mean, I'm still not like blown away by their offense right now, but the fact that their defense seems to be figuring some stuff out and getting elite level play out of their elite players, it doesn't seem like they've massively like changed their defensive schemes or anything recently. They just are playing better. Um, you know, I, I, there's been a lot of criticism over, uh, you know, about Joe Barry this year. It was nice to see Jair Alexander like getting to shadow Justin Jefferson throughout mm-hmm. a lot of that game yesterday because that was something that they probably should have done way back in week one. Um, yeah, I mean, like this NFC is completely wide open and now we have multiple games in a row. We're getting a large enough sample size where we're seeing improvement out of the Packers defense. Um, they're getting contributions from their special teams. Um, I mean, I don't know if I want like Mason Crosby trying to attempt a 50-yarder to win a game in January, but their special teams has let them down so bad recently <laughs> in the postseason to uh not to not to go back to what's happened in playoffs past. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they absolutely are dangerous. And the but the question that you the way you frame this is like, should the Vikings try to avoid them? And I think too many things kind of have to have to happen for them to say, okay, we don't want to, we don't want this matchup, we don't want that matchup. Um if also, I'm the, the Vikings, Bears, the, the Bears may be incapable of winning a game. Which is fair. Like, even if it is all Vikings backups. Um, if I'm the Vikings and if I if we're coming out of that game yesterday, getting blown out again and getting blown out specifically by the Packers, a team that you handled really well earlier this season, I want to, like, put together a functional game. I want to, like, yeah. show that, like, we can play a normal game. Um, I want Justin Jefferson to feel confident in this offense and in what the defense can do. Like, I just, I want to see them put together a game that's going to change this narrative, even if it's just against the Bears, even if it's just in week 18, that shows like, hey, we could actually win a game in a in a normal way in the postseason and not have to be this weird, super volatile, super, super fluky team. All right, let's praise the Lions here because I floated the idea that the the Vikings should try do everything they can to tank. And this was also, by the way, initially, this looked different when it looked like the Niners were going to lose last week, which meant that the Vikings would control their own destiny in playoff seating. They don't anymore um, after they came back and won an overtime against the Raiders. But the Lions, man, the Lions. James Houston, Daniel Jeremiah talked about this this morning. 11 total tackles, eight sacks. That's pretty good. It's That's a pretty good ratio. Um, and he didn't even start really playing until Thanksgiving. No. no. Aiden Hutchinson, only player in the NFL with five sacks and three interceptions. Um, for obvious reasons. It's, I, I didn't even know this was a stat. He's he's set the rookie record for interceptions by a defense, rookie defensive lineman. <laughs> Um, congratulations, Aiden Hutchinson. So, uh, Jared Goff has the longest streak without an interception in the NFL right now, which is a pretty ominous stat that could come crashing down at 11.30 next Sunday night. Um, but I, 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 I'm hugely impressed with this Lions team, and I think that the mistake that Packers fans or media members or whoever is going to make is that this presumably Sunday night game is going to be a walkover. It will not be a walkover. This Lions team is really, really tough. I'm so mad that they lost last week to the Panthers. Like, how did that? 
They didn't. They didn't. Like it was bad. They got bullied. They got blown yeah. off the ball. Dan yeah. Campbell called an ass kick. You weren't talking about like we're talking about the the Nixon return. Look at some of those runs last week with the Panthers and the Lions and some of the holes that they had. Like it was unbelievable. It's like they took the game off. It's like they they're the ones who thought that was going to be a cakewalk, and they got they got Wilkes. Wilkes uh, changed the culture. So that was really frustrating because if they had been competent in that game, if they'd played better up front, all of those things. The conversation right now would be way different, right? As we're talking about the week 18 scenarios and the playoff scenarios and stuff. As it stands, they still do have a shot to get in. When we're recording this year on Monday morning, the NFL still hasn't announced the schedule of what is which game. Take your time, league office. Um, No worries. So we said, well, because they're waiting. They're waiting to see if it potentially could have like that Ravens Bengals game, I think. If they would potentially put that game into they're, the they're into Sunday the, night, they're picking the win it in Lions game. Yeah, I know I think the, Se- the Seahawks game affects it, but I don't. But it's still it does. It won't render it meaningless though, no. because no. the Packers still have to win. Yes, to get in. Um, so yeah, which of those teams do you most want to see in the playoffs? Then we know the Vikings I, are in. I'd rather. I'd rather see. I'd rather see the Lions only because, and again, you mentioned, I'm not usually impressed with the Packers offense, okay? But they have top-end talent in a lot of places, as the Lions. I, I just mentioned some of the Lions players. But Aaron Rodgers still has a ceiling as a quarterback that is significantly higher than Jared Goff's ceiling. And Rodgers can, makes more mistakes than he has in the past. Um, Goff is taking, obviously, I just said, is taking care of the football right now. But I don't. I just don't want to see Aaron Rodgers in the fourth quarter throwing a 40 yard pass. Like even yesterday he had some really like his deep ball is kind of back. Um, and I just, I, I don't want to see that from the Vikings or frankly, the 49ers when you consider how sloppy they were yesterday against freaking Jared Stidham, who we're going to get to in a second. So if you are not the Vikings right now, if you're Kevin Clark, I want to look at the best, the best matchup, the best playoff field. It's got the Packers in it, right? Of course it does. Yeah. If I'm Roger Goodell, it has the Packers yeah, in it. Ab- absolutely. If I'm, if I'm running Fox, if I'm Rupert Murdoch. I just love the long game that you ran with your uh, Matt LaFleur story from back in August. Oh, baby. I've been thinking yeah. about it. I've I have a feeling that's going to make its way around the internet. It uh, didn't. <laughs> you know what's weird is that people got more no one really kind of old takes exposed me for writing a piece about how great Matt LaFleur was it really didn't uh I was surprised by that um just considering that there were Viking fans and Bears fans mad at me when I first wrote it for even writing it it was the the Burrow piece like the first month of the season when I wrote about his deep ball that was when people were shoving in my face and I was like just just wait just, just wait. wait just wait that's it and now the Matt LaFleur one I'm gonna be on paternity leave just smashing the retweet on that when they're <laughs> When they're t- 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 except for it's going to be only at like three o'clock in the morning when you're doing yeah, it exactly. when nobody's exactly nobody's exactly. Got to schedule schedule those tweets. Three a.m. Well, you can't yeah. schedule them in case they lose. Um, Although I'll be hallucinating by then and I have no idea what the score is. You're you're going to be sending some weird tweets over the next few weeks when you I are. Uh, I, will, I will try not to send any natively written tweets. Everything will be retweets and clips. You don't uh, want to start. You don't want to start typing with the baby in your hand at four in the morning. No, but you will start buying stuff on Amazon at four o'clock in the morning. So maybe I should be doing the tweets <laughs> instead of that. Yeah. Um, all right. What? All right. What, what, what's going to happen here? Prediction? 
Uh, I think the Packers are going to get in. I think that the Vikings are going to win on Sunday. And the Packers yeah, I are think gonna... so too, because as you mentioned, the Bears, I think, are not capable of winning a game. But I also think that the the Niners are going to win, and then they're going to. It's going to be seven two. I think I do think it's going to be Niners Niners Packers seven two. Um. So, what about the Packers or the Niners one seed scenarios? Those are still kind of interesting. Yes. Um. There's also a Cowboys one seed scenario. Yeah, they need the Eagles to lose and the Niners to lose. Mm-hmm. The Niners are not. The Niners are not losing to the Cardinals, right? To the David Maybe. Blau a little Cardinals. Cliff, little Cliff saving his job. J.J. Watt's final game. Is Colt McCoy uh, available from a concussion? It's a multi-week deal. Uh, that is a I good, feel like Cliff, that is a, Cliff, Cliff tried, tried, a good Cliff, dove deep enough Cliff into the Cardinals. to save his chart. job against a Niners team playing for seeding. To me, I don't know. How all off do they go? I don't know. I mean, if you're the um, Niners and you're as banged up as you are at some of the other positions and you have a chance to get like Debo and stuff back and you have a chance to play for a bye. Yeah. All right, let's move on. All right, so there is a win and in game on Saturday night that is not. So just so everybody knows, we know this, but League Office and NBC and Primetime, they really like do or die winning in games. That, that That's what they they prioritize. And that's why you'll see some crappy games on Sunday night because they know they don't want things to be affected by other games, whatever. And there is one this year, but it's not going to be on Sunday Night Football because the game will feature Josh Dobbs. I like Josh Dobbs. Yeah, nice guy, really smart. Very smart guy, uh, but he will not be on Sunday Night Football. That's just something that's that's not going to happen. Um the other part of this, I know this sounds very strange, and I'm going to be measured here. The Jaguars are kind of a wagon right now, and I don't think this game on Saturday night is going to be all that close, Lindsey Jones. I mean, it it shouldn't, based on the trajectory that these two teams are on. Um, I will say I did not watch the Thursday night game between the Cowboys and the Titans. Wow. Uh, I, I I opted out. Of that one, I took my daughter to her first NHL game, which was um, way more fun than watching that version of uh, Thursday Night Football. Um, but the Titans have been completely uninspiring for a month, at least. Um, they sat a lot of guys last week. I don't know if they'll get, you know, some of those guys will get back. Derrick Henry, you know, the guys that were borderline, you know, Derrick Henry will be able to play in this game. But the Jags have just been a juggernaut lately. Um, I mean, they kicked the crap out of the Texans. I mean, that game showed up in red zone a little bit on Sunday. They ended up pulling Trevor Lawrence by the third quarter because they were winning by so much and they didn't need to play him. Um, the playoff field is way better if the Jags are in it. Nobody wants to see the Titans <laughs> right now in the playoffs. I'm not sure if even Titans fans want to see no. the Titans in the postseason right now. No. Jaguars last two weeks outscored their opponents 50 to 6. It's pretty good. Best. Best. Uh, pressure rate by the Jaguars on Sunday since week one of 2017. Um, Josh Allen, the other Josh Allen had nine of those pressures, ranks fifth in pressures this season overall. I just want to just, I don't want anyone to catch a stray here. The Texans are awful. The Texans are awful. Like I, when I saw that, I was watching a little bit of, I was watching more than the red zone, unfortunately. I don't know why I did that. But I was watching the plays, and I just, this is not, 
NFL caliber stuff here. So we might have to throw that out. But on the other end, they do have star players everywhere. And the Titans are an injury ward right now. I, I just, I don't, I don't like this matchup for anybody. Yeah. And neither does the NFL and neither did uh, NBC, which is why that game is going to be on <laughs> Saturday night. Um, a game that nobody is going to watch. So can we do this really quickly? So is there to you a matchup that works and makes it compelling like Jaguars versus Chargers? Let's, let's go through that for instance. How are you feeling about that kind of matchup right now? From like a viewership perspective? No. As like, like a game like that just, I want to sit down like and watch? As a, as a Jaguars making noise in January type of deal. Yeah, I mean, because that's going to be like an elite quarterback kind of matchup. Yeah. Um, sure. There'd be I some weird. Would you rather see that or Baltimore? I mean, I guess it comes out of Lamar's health, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't really want to see Jags versus Tyler Huntley that much here. Um, those would both be rematches. The The Jags mm-hmm. and the Ravens played one of the most entertaining games of the season earlier this year. And the Jags beat the Chargers back when they were the Chargers were in their, oh, crap, the Chargers are charging phase from earlier this season. I mean, I think Jack, you mentioned that Jags Chargers, Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Herbert would be one of the most fun potential wildcard matchups. And I agree just from a offensive firepower type of standpoint uh the chargers defense is getting healthy now they're gonna have joey bosa for this playoff run i think that would be a really fun um a fun matchup and also there's just so much about like who are the chargers now what is brandon staley gonna do can they overcome you know there's a lot of good vibes going on there right now so yeah it would be um I agree. And I also just, I, I want to see the Jaguars host a playoff game like this with the youthful energy after Urban Meyer. And they just deserve good things. They really do deserve good things. And I feel this way about the Lions too. Um, I just think it's, they're getting caught up in a numbers game. There's no real path to it. But I, I just, I'm excited. This fan base, I think this fan base deserves a long runway of success. And I think that when you look at the way the Bortles team was set up when they made the AFC title game. That was an amazing run. And they all had a, a great time, but that was a quarterback where it's like the whole contract, the, the contract felt like a, a, a debacle in the moment where they had to extend them or they had the fifth year option, all that stuff. And the defense was really expensive because they went all in on free agency. And you just started to say, okay, well, like there's a cap on this. There's no real cap on this Jaguars team. Trevor Lawrence is going to be there for a long time. The pieces around there, like, yeah, Trent Baalke is not a very good general manager. Um, and at one point, at some point, that will show itself. But on the other hand, like, there's pieces here where there's something. And as long as they can they can manage around Trent Baalke or, or hopefully just get rid of him at some point, like, that that to me is, is a real recipe for something special. Yeah, at some point soon, they're not going to have to overpay free agents to get their, um, their draft picks from last year playing really well. Um, so yeah, it's fun. They're on the right trajectory and I, God, I hope Saturday night just goes the way it should, because that's the team that I want to see win this division again in the postseason. All right, let's get to the aforementioned one seed in the NFC. It's the Philadelphia Eagles who, all right. So Jason Kelsey came out. I thought it was interesting. Um, they asked him about the clinching of the top seed. 
And he said, I'm not focused on that right now. I could give two Fs, he said the word, uh, as we know Jason Kelsey likes to do, about clinching first place or seeding. We've got to get a lot of things fixed. I've got to get a lot of things fixed. I thought that was interesting. I think sometimes we sit around saying different playoff scenarios. And this is the thing about the Ravens too, right? Where it's like, oh, who are they going to play? It's like, well, they've got to fix their team first. The Eagles looked bad yesterday. Gardner Minshew looked bad. There's a report as of this morning from Ian Rappaport who said that the the belief is that the Eagles quarter the Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts with a SC joint sprain will be ready to play in week 18. And he also reported that the Dolphins situation is in flux. We'll see we'll see where where that goes. What should the Eagles do in week 18? Do they need to throw all of their resources, their health, throw Jalen Hurts out there even if he's not not 100% ready to get the one seed. And by the way, the Giants aren't playing for anything, so they might take it easy. How do you game theory this on Sunday, Lindsay? This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. If Jalen Hurts is cleared to play, you need to play Jalen Hurts. Um, I think what we saw yesterday was that, I mean, I think Gardner Minshew is a wildly capable backup. He played really well in that game against the Cowboys. He's filled in well in spot starts previously, but not having Jalen Hurts completely changes who they are as an offense and their yeah. identity, how they, it, it impacts every single other player on that offensive roster, the way that they call the games. Um, they, they need him. Um, and getting the one seed and a buy is really important. Um, I, I don't think we should discount that, especially when they're as banged up at other positions as they yeah. are. They really, really could use that time. So if you have the chance to beat a, Niner, a Giants team that has nothing to play for, get the one seed, you go out and you you play for the one seed. If Jalen Hurts is not clear, I mean, I, I don't think you do some, you make some stupid medical decision, right? And put him in harm's way. And maybe 
you need to think about your offensive play calling a little bit. You know, is he going to be limited? Is he going to be wearing extra protection on his shoulder joint and all of that kind of stuff? You know, maybe you have to be a little bit more, you know, maybe he's been such a weapon on those quarterback sneaks. Maybe you have to rethink a few of those type of things. But if he's ready to play, you you play him. Don't don't mess around and say like, oh, we could be the two seed and we'll be OK. Go, go get the one seed. Agree. Um, but again, I don't, I, I think, and, and this is different coaching staff, different players, different whatever, but remember the Eagles last time won the Super Bowl used the bye as basically a second training camp because they yeah. needed to fix so many things. So if you get over that hump, that's important because then you have two weeks to play with and you can figure it out. You can start game planning. You can start getting healthy. That's so important. I mean, I, I they, I don't, they have enough skill. They, they have enough talent there to where even if they get the two seed, things are going to be fine. Or excuse me, even if they get the five seed, um, things are going to be fine. They're going to beat the Bucks, whatever. I'm not worried about that. But I don't know, man. Like if if they have to play an extra game, if they're banged up again, that's just sort of how. I mean, you probably heard heard the old line: no one's ever 100 percent in the NFL, right? You play one NFL game, that's you know 10 percent off your health uh, at that point going into that, the next week. So. That would be really, really bad for them to have to play a wild card game um, in the in their current state. And listen, AJ Brown was still making plays yesterday. Um, Devonta Smith is still he's, he's about to set every single Eagles record in Week 18 here. I just think they're good enough to win the NFC. Um, I've always believed that the entire season. I don't really see it's kind of a flimsy NFC to begin with. That's why we hyped up the Packers 20 minutes ago. Um, I'm not ruling anybody out except maybe the Giants, and by maybe the Giants, I mean definitely the Giants. Um, but I, I just the health thing for them is just is that that should be number one. And so I think you just kind of throw everything at the wall in week 18, get Jalen Hurts back in there, win it, as long as he's healthy, win it, and then figure it out in two weeks. So what are the other the other possible, let's let's just make sure we've covered some of these bases here. Um, the 49ers, the, yes, I do. So the 49ers can still get the one seed, the buy home field advantage if they beat the Cardinals yes. and Eagles the Eagles lose. lose to the Giants. So, that is like a plausible scenario if the Eagles were to set a bunch of guys and kind of you know not play Jalen Hurts, not play some of your offensive linemen that are banged up, those type of things. Um, I think the Niners would be most dangerous out of that group. But yeah, the, the the Cowboys can also get the one seed if they beat Washington and the Eagles lose. And the Niners lose. So it's a little bit harder for the Cowboys to get there because you need multiple losses, multiple losses from other teams, including the Niners losing to the Cardinals. But you seem to think that the Cardinals could hang. Did you know the Cardinals played yesterday, Kevin? They they played the Falcons in a game I have no recollection of. Don't remember seeing it. Don't know what it looked like. Don't know where it was, where, what uniforms are, were being used. No it, idea. All I know is it was in Atlanta because they had that really insane turnaround from the Peach Bowl that ended literally at midnight. We all saw what that game ended at midnight and then they oh, turned right. it around for a one o'clock game for the Falcons, which they wa- there was a, a game-winning field goal in Atlanta. So it is possible. Sorry, somebody, Ohio State. Somebody heavily involved in that game, I can't say who, sent me my tweet and I felt bad about it because I, I tweeted, I was like, I swear to God, the Cardinals and Falcons play today. Somebody heavily involved in that game sent me the tweet and I felt bad about it and I was like, ah, oh, you know, 
I'm sure you did great. And the guy was like, no, I, this is funny to me too. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I mean, the most impressive part really was the, the the crew, the stadium crew that got that that field and that that stadium ready, and the concessions and the true. trash cleared out. Because I'm sure there was a I'm sure it was a mess after that Ohio um, State Georgia game. Can we do quickly? Uh, so we didn't get to this in in the uh, the the seventh seed talk and the Jags Titans talk in the AFC. One good thing about yesterday <laughs> is Mike White. Like we we probably listen. He had broken we'll ribs. Put a pin on that. We'll put a pin in that. He's ha- happy to be on the roster, but the, the, it's clear now that the Jets do, can go elsewhere in the offseason. I mean, like it should have been clear already. We've talked to, on this show for 10 weeks about the fact that they probably need to go out and get a Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady, if he's available. But being out of the playoff race, it's, it's uh, probably more confirmation. Yeah, the Jets are now officially open for business. Uh on the quarterback market and they are the number one team to watch for whichever quarterbacks might become available. It's very clear that Derek Carr is available. That was uh, another takeaway from, uh, from Sunday's games, the, the Jarrett Stidham experience, which we'll get one more week of um, apparently in a national game against the chiefs this week, we'll get to see another game of Jarrett Stidham. Um, Yeah. The jets just the, bring their offers, you know, if it's a free agent guy who's available, if it's a uh, trading, what a set, what, what's it going to trade take to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably a second. I don't know. Are they going to keep him? This contract's uh, up, right? I, well, so he has no this guaranteed contract. money left right. on his contract. Um, it's pretty clear that they don't want to keep him. So it'll yeah, just it was be pretty clear last year too. And then what <laughs> happened? Uh, and he then gave they gave a him a, a press funny... conference. He was like Ben Roethlisberger in the stadium, and they just stayed. Yeah, no, they gave him a funny money contract extension, and and here we are. Um, what did you think of the Jarrett Stidham experience? The so, Stidham versus Brock Purdy game of the year. All right, we decided to do a quick cut because Siri answered the question of what she thought about Jared Stidham. What did she think of Jared Stidham? She she just read me the box score. Oh, uh, she's a casual I fan. Think she, I think she was Siri's a casual, just looking at a box score. <laughs> Watch the film, Siri. Um, Siri does not know ball. So Jared Stidham was the number one recruit coming out of high school. Uh, Weird trajectory in New England. Not surprised he was in Vegas. I didn't think, with Josh Daniels, obviously, I didn't think he had this in him. On the other hand, we've seen, listen, this is such a cliche, but it's true. If someone doesn't, if a defense is not a game plan for you, they're going to throw really basic stuff at you, and it's not that hard to move the ball in, in a one-game scenario. Um, when you start putting tendencies on film, that's when it gets more complicated. I saw Belichick kind of praised it. I'm saying he didn't really watch it, but that's a good Niners defense, and they were, they were really moving the ball. Um, so I'm happy for Jared Stidham. Should, I mean, I guess the question is, should he be in the mix to be week one starter for the Raiders? Kind of. Kind of. Because I don't know, I mean, I think they're going to take a step back, right? That, that that seems to be the case when you look at the fifth year options. These guys declined. Um, just the lack of talent on that team. Derek Carr moving on. They'll probably get a draft pick, a nice draft pick from that. Um, so I don't. They're not going to pick high enough in the draft for them to get a star. I don't. You know, Nora and I did this on Friday, but like part of the problem with moving on from Derek Carr, just from a if you're going to want to stay in the middle there, which is where they are, is that the best available guy we know is Derek Carr. Derek Carr. And you're yeah. getting rid of him. 
And so if you're looking for a Derek Carr type and you're getting rid of Derek Carr, that, that signals to me you're changing the direction of your franchise. So I actually, I don't think Stidham is going to be that good, but I'm not, I wouldn't hate him being in a competition in August. Yeah. I mean, the, my initial reaction when they benched Derek Carr last week was what's Josh's plan and Dave Ziegler, right? I, I should include Dave Ziegler in this whole thing too. The general manager, because yeah, you, who are you moving on to? And that's what the thing, like, if you make this the first step of the move, what comes next? And granted, I view everything that's going on with the Raiders and Josh McDaniels through the lens of having covered his tenure with the Broncos Mm -hmm. and all of the personnel moves that he made, the way that he handled those decisions, the way he dealt with players, you know, everything that happened with the, the Jay Cutler, Matt Castle thing where you mess up something with your good but flawed starting quarterback and end up with Kyle Orton as your as your starting quarterback moving forward so it was a little bit of just like careful what you wish for what is your what is your long-term plan going to be here um so but yeah I mean it was it was a fun game to watch and I tweeted this and I just want to make sure everybody else sees this go look at a picture of Brock Osweiler wearing a helmet and playing and then look at Jared Stidham and they are exactly the same person it freaks me out I cannot unsee it counterpoint except he's like five inches don't do that don't do do it I can't unsee it I need everybody else to see it you're having a nice productive Monday don't do it um all right speaking of Belichick real quick what do we think for the seventh seed I just can't believe they might get in and they've got like a pretty decent chance to get in I mean, so much depends on Monday night. The the yeah. Patriots defense is the first defense since the 2002 Buccaneers to score a touchdown in four straight games. Pretty good, pretty pretty good. Having said that, I do I feel like I feel like the thing that would make people the angriest is the Steelers making the playoffs. So I vote for that, and I think it's going to happen. I'd rather see the Steelers in the playoffs than the Patriots, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and I will say, if the Patriots do end up getting in. And all of the scenarios that need to happen, it would require them to beat the Bills next week. It depends on Monday night, the the Bills-Bengals outcome. There's a lot of things at play. Even if they do get in, it should not be looked, we should not see that as validation for all of the insane offensive and coaching decisions that Bill Bill Belichick made this -hmm. year. If they sneak in, they get in as the seven, nobody should be like, ah, well, it worked. Bill's crazy plan. No, you still need to like figure that offense out and fix all the problems that are going on with Mac Jones and change up your offensive coordinator situation for next year. It's not proof of concept. Let's do two quick ones. Number one, should Washington move on from Ron Rivera? What is, so what is he adding? That's, I guess that's the big question. Like he's adding, not knowing that they were going to be eliminated if the Packers won, which was very strange. And Doug Farr did a, so I don't know if anybody, so if you didn't see this after the game, someone said, is Sam Howell in the mix if you guys get eliminated in week 18 and for week 18 and Ron Rivera said, we can get eliminated. And then he clarified that he didn't know that they could be eliminated, but he was frustrated by the question and was only so focused on winning the game. He didn't understand the playoff scenarios, which I don't know. I don't know about that one guys. Um, and then Doug Fair brought up another part of the press conference where he clearly phrased something in the way that he didn't know that they could be eliminated. So he definitely didn't know. He clarified he didn't know, but he also definitely didn't know. Um, 
What is he He's adding? been doing this a really long time. Like, he should be better at faking his way through Carson, when you don't know the answer to a question. Well, he clearly conference. can't fake his way through a lot right now. I mean, like, the Carson Wentz thing, yeah. awful, awful, awful. Some of his throws yesterday, I've been told Carson Wentz, like, has a skill set and should be in the NFL, and I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear Ron Rivera, Scott Turner, uh, Martin Mayhew, all those fellas. Just sit down with me and say, tell me what Carson Wentz is adding because you're, th- and maybe, maybe Ron Rivera is not even responsible for, for that happening. Maybe, maybe they're like, he's expensive and he needs to play and it's coming from ownership or GM or president level. I don't know. I, I know nothing about this except to say everybody out, everybody out. The team will be sold. And here's the thing. What's going on in Denver right now where ownership comes in and they inherit a bunch of stuff. And they immediately make a franchise crippling mistake, at least in the short term, which is giving Russell Wilson a bunch of money, letting George Payton kind of go on his trajectory, all that stuff. I I, I am of the theory that unless you buy the Patriots and Bill Belichick is there, um, that you want, if someone hasn't shown that they're above and beyond, must hire, must keep type of person, you want to own your own mistakes. You don't want to be somebody else's, have somebody else's mistake. So the moment that team is sold, which it sounds like is going to be in April, uh, I don't know. I, I think you I, I think you you try to, maybe if it's in March, you just try to move on. There have been like Bruce Arians, Jimmy Johnson, there's a yeah. precedent for, for, for late March kind of deals. I, I'd try for that, frankly. Yeah, I mean, the timeline of this makes it just really complicated, right? Because like, do you want... Well, I don't think anybody wants Dan Snyder actually making these decisions. But yeah, I mean, is it setting up for kind of a lame duck season with a head coach and quarterback? I mean, if they they run this whole thing back because, you know, the new ownership isn't in place. Um, but yeah, I mean, if they were to fire Ron Rivera next week after week 17 or after week 18, bring in a new head coach and then a new owner comes in, it, right around the time of the draft. I mean, I I think it just sets up for a really, really messy scenario in a place that clearly needs like a complete reset. So that makes it really tricky. I mean, I think there's the, the reasons that the commanders brought in Ron Rivera in the first place was because of his demeanor and being the grown up in the room that we talked about, you know, the, that he um, is good at navigating tricky situations and Uh everybody really likes him. And maybe he is that guy who could kind of shepherd, a locker room through massive the massive change that's going on elsewhere in the building. And then you kind of reset next year. Um, the April sale is going to make this really challenging. But Rivera has had to clean up so many messes, right? I mean, remember when Seth Wickersham's uh, and, and company, their big Washington story came out in October. And a part of that was, oh, Dan Snyder was on who was pushing for Carson Wentz. And Ron Rivera had yeah. to come up and say, no, that was me. And now Rivera's had to, you know, he's the one who's had to, you know, do this quarterback switch back to Carson Wentz, which clearly backfired. Um, He's had to own a lot of this stuff, whether it was his decision or not. And it's not really clear exactly. And there's really good reporters on that beat. And it has still been really murky about whose decisions all of this stuff has been. But it's just clear that it's just time for something, something different needs to happen in that organization. And it stops, starts at the very, very, very top. Extremely agree. Um, I just, Ron Rivera's had a very distinguished coaching career. He's a great guy. I, I really enjoy him being in the NFL, but I, I just don't, I don't know what you're doing to top your franchise if he's your head coach. Okay. Last one. Broncos reportedly reached out via Mike Florio to 
Jim Harbaugh. I don't understand. Don't the Broncos read Twitter replies under any story linking Jim Harbaugh to the NFL? Because Michigan fans say he's not interested in, and has stated that he's never, he's never leaving Michigan. So what, what are the Broncos doing? Yeah, well, they we went through this whole Jim Harbaugh might come back to the NFL thing last year with the Vikings. He interviewed on signing day for a job <laughs> he wanted. He had a staff. He was and brainstorming his staff for the Vikings, and the Vikings were like, so I think there's been a misunderstanding. That's what the Vikings yeah. had to say to him. Yeah. And meanwhile, Michigan fans are like, what, Jim Harbaugh? No, 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 no. He stated that he's coming back to Michigan for 2023. So what? what's the issue here, NFL teams? Why do you keep calling? Why do NFL reporters who are incredibly sourced up with agents, with executives, why do they keep mentioning Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero, Mike Florio? Why do they keep mentioning Harbaugh to the NFL? It's almost why like Jim Harbaugh actually wants to come back to the NFL. Why would they do that? Or he wants people to think he wants to come back to the NFL. Or he wants the understand. NFL to want him. He's already said he's he's already said he's a Michigan man for life. Well, I just don't understand why all of these reporters happen to have the same information that there might be some links to the NFL. It's very strange. What would you do if you're the Penners? I mean, I guess you call him. I don't, it just doesn't seem like it's going to end well, right? That this is going to come in and be this like super stable, like, oh, Jim Harbaugh's here to solve all of our problems and fix Russell Wilson. Here's what what I'll say. So I saw a couple of people over the past couple of weeks say, well, there's no salary cap for coaches. They should go out and really like you know, spend $15 million, whatever it is, right? And I don't think Jim Harbaugh is the guy for that. Yeah. I'd rather do that with Sean Payton. I'd rather do, like, let's expand. Somebody said this to me last year, and I found it interesting. That watching the college carousel last year, USC goes out and gets Lincoln Riley. LSU goes out and gets Notre Dame. That there were people inside the NFL who were like, wait a second, why why do we act like the way we act? Why do we just say, let's get the defensive coordinator from the team that made the championship game, right? Like I did that story, that piece last year uh, on on where hires are made. And this this company done this study that was basically just like, the the by far the most hired guy in the NFL is the number two assistant GM at the team that just like won the most games over the past three years, something like that, right? And that's it. That's what you do. There's just a plug and play. And it's like, well, wait, why don't we try to hire Kyle Shanahan? Make him say no. Make him say no. Offer offer Jed York a first round pick. Give him life life changing money, even for rich people. And just see what happens. Just see what happens. Why don't we try to hire Sean McCall? <laughs> why don't, why don't the Penners try to Rooney, hire him? See if you can get Mike Tomlin. That's right. I'm serious. Yes. Why Call up the Rams and say, you guys are going through right now. You need draft capital. How does two first round picks sound for Sean McVay? Sean McVay, how does $25 million a year sound? How does four years $100 million sound? Call, call up your cousin. Do some business. That's right. Make it make it happen. Um, That's right. Is, is Jim Harbaugh like the tight. new... Uh, is Jim Harbaugh the new uh, John Gruden where it's just like 
he's the name that people know and the guy he seems attainable. always wants to come back attainable. to the NFL. Yeah. And so it's like, but he's, he's been successful enough in the NFL and he's famous enough outside of, you know, I guess outside of like intimate NFL circles that his name is always going to come up. He's and so good. he's also he, good. He is good, but would he be good for a team that like needs to fix so many broken elements about, I mean, the Niners organization? 15 years ago did and look, and they had Mike's freaking Singletary. That's true. All right. My, my, what should happen is they should think bigger than Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh is a very good NFL coach and a very good college coach. I'm just saying you got all that Walmart money. It's time to spend it. Oh, they're going to. Oh, they're going to. Lindsay Jones, thank you. Uh, we might be back next week. We might be back. Mina Kimes is going to be on the show on Wednesday. And then, and then we'll see. Well, we made it through this episode without you pulling an RG3. And, RG3's uh, wife wasn't even in labor. Did you see that? There was an update. Labor? Yeah. She, they're just hanging out at his house. They're like watching I mean, Yellowstone or whatever. It may have been a Braxton Hicks situation. Well, not to, not to turn this into a labor and delivery Pregnancy podcast, pot? but like this isn't their first baby. So like, I think, yeah. you know, you tend to know like, okay, this is real labor versus this is not real labor maybe. But um. Well, everyone's, it, everyone's doing I, their own thing. Just keep I would love it. to see you. I would love to see you uh, after week 18 games for another recap. But if we don't, good I'll luck you to Arizona. you and your wife. And we'll see you in Arizona. And uh, we'll, in, we'll induct uh, Baby Clark into Club Kevin. All right. Bye, Lindsay. Bye. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.